welcome to Rise Up For You, a unique podcast dedicated to uplifting women in their day-to-day life, but open to all to enjoy and share. My name is Natalina, the founder of Rise Up For You, through interviews with various experts and professionals on relationships, investing, self-worth, entrepreneurship, love, and health. This podcast is committed to empowering and spreading knowledge and motivation to all. Rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater tomorrow. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Rise Up For You podcast. This is Natalina, your host. It's such an honor to be here. Today, we have an awesome episode with Jillian Mandich. She's going to be talking with us about the art of happiness. You know, how do we live our best life possible? You know, how do we find happiness? Is it in our control? And the great part about this episode and our guest today, Jillian, is that she is actually doing her PhD on the research of finding happiness. So this definitely isn't sloth. Jillian today is going to provide us with, you know, scientific, lots of research and statistics that go along with her practices and how we can boost our happiness on a daily level. Rise it for you and enjoy this episode. Jillian, thank you so much for joining us today on the Rise It For You podcast. It's an honor to have you on the show. I always like to start off the show by letting the audience get to know our guest. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? So yeah, I'm so thrilled. I'm actually very, very happy to be here. I'm a happiness researcher. That's the main thing that I do. So I research happiness. I'm just finishing up my PhD right now in health science and my area of specialization is health promotion. So I am really interested and passionate about finding out how we can live the best life possible, what we can do to really optimize and get the most out of every single day. And so within that, my main area of research is happiness. So I look at skills and ways that we can develop or build our happiness muscle to grow over time so that we can all live happy and healthy lives. Okay. So this is a very interesting, but needed topic. How did you get into this field? (laughs) How'd you wake up one day and say, I want to research happiness? You know, sometimes, you know, you look back and you, where you are now and you wonder how you got to where you are. It's kind of one of those fun moments. My research background is actually childhood obesity. Hmm. My master's degree is in child and youth health. So my background was, I was studying a lot of physical activity and sedentary behaviors in children. And what I was finding when I was doing that research was that I was only targeting a very small group of kids. And I really wanted to find a way to have my work have a positive impact on all kids and and all people for that matter. And when you look to the research literature in terms of what makes people healthy, you you can approach it from two ways. You can look at people that are sick and figure out how to make them healthier, or you can take people from where they are and look at how to boost their health from that point. And so I realized also that just because someone's overweight or obese doesn't necessarily mean that they are unhealthy. And just because someone isn't overweight or obese doesn't necessarily mean that they are healthy. So there was more going on in that equation than that. And when I took a step back and looked at what, in terms of the scientific literature, had a positive effect on so many facets of not only someone's physical health, but also their mental health, happiness kept emerging as as a key factor. And, you know, personally in my own life at the same time, I was exploring the idea of happiness and and how that impacted my life. And it had a really profound effect in terms of how I saw my life, how I treated other people, how I treated my body. 
And so I thought that seems to be a a place that I want to go and learn more. So moving into my PhD, I started down the happiness path. That's amazing. It's definitely something that um, I think we can all use. I'm sure any listener, including myself, we always kind of go through those moments where we figure out, okay, how can I create more happiness? Just out of curiosity, would you categorize stress under this, under the happiness umbrella? Stress definitely accounts for our happiness. I'm sure you or anyone listening, when you're feeling really, really stressed, it's hard at the same time to feel really, really happy. So they definitely are related. I think that the beauty of happiness and a huge part of our happiness is fully within our own control. And when we look at that piece of happiness, we can learn skills so that when we're feeling stressed and we can recognize that we have the awareness to say, okay, right now I'm feeling stressed. We can bring in different practices such as mindfulness or gratitude or breathing that can help sort of start to shift us out of that really stressful state. So in terms of happiness is almost like this, this special tool that we can use to help buffer a lot of the effects of stress and help to shift our mindset when we are getting in that, that cycle of getting stressed, because I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes when I start to get stressed, it starts to spiral and the stress becomes more stress and I get stressed out about that stress and then it keeps going. And I see happiness as a way to kind of break that pattern and start shifting things. You know, it's interesting. The reason why I asked that question is because I, you know, I recently lost two parents at a very, very young age. I'm only 33 and both my parents have passed and they were, they weren't unhealthy. They were, they weren't obese, you know, they had you know, great shapes, but there was definitely a lot of stress that contributed. And I know in the older generation, Mm -hmm. sometimes, um, you know, this concept of meditation and breathing and finding happiness, it's kind of more of a millennial, it's a newer concept. Mm -hmm. Some of the older Mm -hmm. generation, you know, hasn't really grabbed onto it yet. And I highly believe, um, because the sicknesses aren't, you know, they haven't run in the family. So I'm kind of a Mm. huge believer that some of the the sickness contributed to, you know, stress and um, not being able to maintain happiness due to stress or finances or, you know, raising a family, which is why I asked that question. Yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry to hear about the loss of your parents. And, and what, what I'm hearing from you is, yeah, absolutely. Stress can play a really a big role in a lot of our lives and on a physical and a mental, a mental level. There was a study that was done in research where participants were brought into a lab and they had to watch videos that evoked a stressful feeling. And researchers measured cortisol, which is a stress hormone. And what the researchers found was that when people were smiling while watching the stressful videos, it didn't have as much of an effect. Their cortisol didn't spike quite as high as if they didn't smile. So even in stressed situations, and there is a lot that we can do, and I'm not um, by any means saying that if you just start to feel happy when you're feeling stressed, everything is going to be butterflies sure, and rainbows. Sure. And <laughs> we can know that there are tools that we can use to start shifting things. And when we smile and when we change our awareness to something, when we're in those moments of stress, it can help to, to buffer them. So the bad isn't quite as bad. I love that. Um, I'd love to kind of hear some of your ideas or some of you know the research in regards to happiness. I know you mentioned quite a few times already that there's different practices um, that we can implement to really boost our happiness or to make it a little bit more consistent. Uh, would you mind diving into a couple for us? Absolutely. What I'll share with you is, so I just finished a research study about two weeks ago. And it was with undergraduate students at Western University at the university that I'm at. And it was a four-week program. So each week for four weeks, the participants watched a new video every week that taught a skill that was highly correlated with happiness. And then at the beginning of the study and at the end of the study, I assessed 
several different health outcomes. So things from dietary habits, physical activity levels, stress, sleep, drug, alcohol, tobacco use, things like that. And I'm just starting to analyze the data right now. So it's starting to come in, but I've just sort of been doing a bit of a scan. And what I'm starting to see is that there are changes from the beginning to the end. So that's really exciting. And so getting into those four weeks, what I did was I do uh, work with, it's called the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley. Mm -hmm. And they created videos that the students could watch that taught these skills that were highly correlated with happiness. So some of the skills that the students learned were things such as gratitude practicing gratitude. So spending time each day thinking about things that they were grateful for. So whether that be writing something down or whether it be even thinking about it in your head, writing it down has been shown to have a more profound effect. And even the act of thinking about things that you're grateful for can have a profound effect on your happiness. And when you get specific about what it is you're thankful for, it can be even more beneficial. Also mindfulness. So taking time to, to be in the present moment, to really look around and see all the beauty in what's going on to notice, you know, we're in springtime right now and the trees are budding and the flowers are coming up. So as you're walking to your car from work or from the gym or wherever you're going, looking around and noticing those things, it seems so simple and yet it can have a very profound effect on your happiness. And one of my favorite ones is that I share a lot and that the students learned about was doing nice things for other people. Oftentimes we think that, you know, happiness can be a selfish thing. And when we focus on our happiness, it's selfish and we're not focusing on others. And what we learn and what the literature says is that happiness is exactly the opposite of that. So it's very selfless to focus on your happiness because not only is your health better, but also those around. And then you can do things like help other people. What's really cool is there was a study that was done that looked at people that were helping others. So for example, it's, it's sort of a trend that's coming now where you, you might buy coffee for the person in line behind you or something like that, like small little acts. And when you say, for example, go to the counter and you buy your coffee and you buy the coffee for the person behind you, you feel happy because you've done something nice for a stranger. The stranger feels happy because someone, a stranger did something nice for them. And anyone in that coffee shop that was observing what was going on, it also has an effect on their happiness. So it really extends beyond the people that are even seeing the act, which is really cool. Wow. Giving back. I mean, yeah. yeah. And that's a simple thing. I mean, giving back can be a number of things. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be, you know, I guess this huge monetary donation to a nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If, if I've learned anything from, from studying happiness is that there isn't this magic pill that we're going to take in order to be happy. And it's not a big thing. Sometimes so often one of the main things that I get asked when I tell someone that I research happiness is they say, what do I need to know to be happy? And what it boils down to is it really is small things done over time. It really is that cumulative effect of doing things that in that moment might feel really small or even inconsequential. However, when we add them up over time, that's where we really see the biggest results. So So those small little day-to-day things, they really do matter. So, so I guess my, my golden question, and the reason why I ask this is because I kind of deal with this when I work with my clients as well is, you know, we have these great, some of these practices that you just gave us, which are great gratitude, mindfulness, you know, the art of giving back, but how do you actually, I guess, get that motivation mentally to do these actions, to actually act and, and show gratitude to, you know, show mindfulness? How, how do, as human beings, cognitively, do we say, okay, like, I'm going to have that motivation to do it, to, to put my foot forward and practice these various, you know, um, exercises to find that happiness within? 
Yeah. I love that you asked this question because I mean, I wake up some days and I'm not feeling super motivated. And I think that that's a normal human behavior. And what I've come to realize, a lot of our happiness comes down to a choice and a decision. We have to choose to want that. It's not going to fall into our life and come easily every single day. And so what I do is I make a conscious effort every single day. How am I going to choose happiness today? And even if I'm not feeling motivated, I know the science behind what I'm doing. I know, for example, the science behind if I take two minutes and write down things that I'm grateful for, this is going to have a positive impact on my day and my happiness. So even if I don't feel like it, I do it anyway. And what you see is that when you start to identify these habits and start to do them as a practice, even when you don't want to do them, over time, it becomes a habit. It's kind of like brushing our teeth, where we don't even really think when we wake up in the morning or before we go to bed to brush our teeth. We know it's good for our health. And from a young age, we've all been taught brushing your teeth is important. It's good for you. You can develop a practice, a happiness practice to where it gets to the point of automaticity, where it becomes something that is a regular habit. And that being said, when we look at the the psychology of behavior change, it's really important to identify and make one change at a time. So sometimes, say for example, we want to lose weight. And so we decide we're going to join the gym. We're going to get rid of all the junk food in our house. We're going to go to bed at 10 PM. We're going to get our eight hours of sleep, all of these things. Oftentimes those behaviors don't stick. When you pick one habit and you practice it over and over and over again until it becomes a habit, and then you add in a second one, you tend to see more positive, lasting lifestyle changes. So the same thing applies to happiness. So what I would say is some days you're going to have the motivation and some days you're not. And that's the reality. And so the power and the responsibility lies within each and every single one of us to choose happiness and to work sometimes to really cultivate those habits that are going to boost our happiness. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And are there anything, are there any, um, I guess, additional things that you would say to somebody that maybe is going through something that's a little bit more traumatic and obviously they have a hard time finding that happiness? Is that just a case where you say, you know what, just accept it and, you know, let yourself process those feelings or are there some other different things that can be implemented? Yeah. One of, one of the things I was so surprised to learn when I started really digging into the literature and the information around happiness growing up, I always thought the goal was be happy and don't be sad. The goal is to get rid of sadness and have happiness all the time. And what I've come to to understand is that there's a dark side to happiness too. And when we single-mindedly pursue happiness all the time, it can lead us to be unhappy. Mm. And so what, what I've experienced and what I understand is that we need a full spectrum of emotions to really live and experience the human experience. And so for me, it's not a question of not being sad or not being angry. It's feeling those emotions and not marinating in them. So really welcoming the full spectrum of human emotion and also recognizing when you're in them, feeling it, and then choosing again so that we're not spending days or weeks or months in that sadness. We're experiencing it because the reality is we all have sad times in our life. We all have upsetting times. And and part of the human experience is to have those moments because when we have them, we can appreciate the happiness and those happy moments even more. So what I would say is that when we think about happiness and we know the skills that are going to help to boost our happiness, we can recognize when we're feeling emotions, other emotions, such as say sadness, for example, and we can feel it. 
and then we can move on. So recognizing that we don't want to stay in it for, for a really long time. You know, I kind of think of it like music notes to have a beautiful song. If you just played one note the whole time, it would become a long continuous tone. It's not even that great to listen to. So if we were on full happy all the time, it wouldn't create the diversity and the beauty of life. When we have those low notes and we have those high notes together, they kind of come to create this symphony of our life that is beautiful and dynamic and human and alive. I love that answer. That was a great answer, Jillian. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting. I was like, huh, where is she going to go? It was perfect. (laughs) One of my favorite Zen proverbs says, it's the silence between the notes that makes the music. And so building on what I was just saying, even recognizing that, that happiness looks different for different people and for each individual person in different times. And having those quiet moments, having those gaps in between the the shiny moments that you see on Facebook, there's happiness in there too. And so really recognizing that our life is created with, with these high notes and these low notes and these gaps and these pauses and recognizing that, that our experience of happiness can vary day to day. You know, I could be super happy if I'm playing soccer and my team wins and we're all jumping up and down at the end of the game. I can also feel really happy if I'm sitting in meditation for a while. So really expanding our perspective and what happiness looks like and really connecting in with the feeling of it for ourselves, I think also helps us to, to navigate that and to embrace the spectrum of emotions when we are humans. <laughs> Jillian, thank you so much. Um, you know, everything that you've said is really, really um, impactful and helpful. And I'm sure our audience is definitely, you know, going to take this away and hopefully share it with their friends and family. I'd love to jump into the power section um, of our okay. interview. Can you tell us one book that you've read that's had a massive impact on your life that you would recommend to us and our audience? Yes, absolutely. I'm a big reader and I have so many books that I love. And The one that I want to share today is the book that was the catalyst for so much change in my life. And that is called The Power of Intention, and it's by Dr. Wayne Dyer. So my mom gave me the book, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago now. And and it's really about intention and believing that you can do things. And the way Dr. Dyer writes and speaks, I really connected with that. And so it's a very uh, easy read in terms of like, you can, you can read it through in a weekend or something like that if you focused on it. So it's not a big, heavy, dense book. And it's, it was a very powerful catalyst for change in my life. And what's one thing that you've accomplished that you're proud of? Mm. One thing I've accomplished that I'm proud of, I would say that I, I'm finishing my PhD in two or three months. And I just finished data collecting for it. And it's been recruitment and research and data collection is, is a beast. And I'm so happy to be out the other end of it and to have all the data that I need for my dissertation. I'm super, super proud of that because I have one more step and then I'm done. And I I chose that also because stop, I, you know, it would have been really easy for me a few months from now to say, I'm really happy that I have my PhD. And I believe that it's the small things along the way that we need to celebrate. And so as I've been going every single milestone along the way, I'm equally as proud of that milestone as the final product. And I think when we can take time and look at the things in our life and the smaller day-to-day wins that and celebrate those wins, it can really help to, to really increase our quality of life and to celebrate and to share and to spread joy in our life and with those around us. 
And are there any routines that you have that help you get a positive rise in your life? Maybe something that you do every morning or a daily routine? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to touch on how the gratitude practice that I talked about earlier looks in my life here. Uh, I, the last thought that I think of before I go to bed and the first thought that I think of when I wake up in the morning, before I even open my eyes, I choose to think about something that I'm grateful for. There's a, a Thomas Edison quote that I love. And he says, never go to sleep without a request to your subconscious mind. And so I intentionally and deliberately choose that the last thing I think of before I go to bed is something that I was grateful for that day. And then when I wake up the same thing, because so many of us, the first thought that enters our head in the morning is something like, Oh, I didn't get enough sleep. Oh, I want to hit snooze. Oh, I'm so tired. This scarcity or not enough or lack mentality. And so I intentionally choose to start my day from a place of gratitude so that that can carry forward. And every single day, that's part of my routine that is really, really impactful and something that I would recommend if no one has ever is, has ever not tried it. I would say, try it for a week or for two weeks and notice how you feel. Because oftentimes when I share that habit of mine with other people, they continue to do it too, because it's easy. It doesn't take much time. And again, that small act can have a very profound effect. Thank you, Jillian, again, for sharing with us. Um, This last question I call the golden nugget. And basically it's anything that we didn't get a chance to talk about. um, Maybe something that you want to say or share, leave with the audience with. Uh, I think I that recognizing that happiness isn't a destination. Happiness isn't something that we arrive at. It's a practice, an ongoing practice every single day. And, and it's not called a perfect, it's called a practice for that reason. And so I would just like to encourage everyone listening today to acknowledge wherever they are right now and to commit to trying to practice, to cultivate a little bit more happiness in your life and recognize that you're going to have good days. You're going to have days that aren't quite as good. And, and that's part of the human experience and really being kind and compassionate with ourselves as we go along the way, because oftentimes we set the example for how other people treat us based on how we treat ourselves. And so by being loving, by being compassionate with ourselves, by focusing on our happiness when we can, by accepting the full range of human emotions that contribute to the human experience, it's in terms of health, in terms of mental health and physical health, going to have the best benefits. Jillian, again, thank you so much for joining us. How do we stay connected and how do we support you and get a hold of you? So my website is an amazing hub for everything that I do. And that's JillianManage.com, which is Jillian with a G. So G-I-L-L-I-A-N-M-A-N-D-I-C-H.com. Everything's there, all my stuff and my, my Instagram, my Twitter, all of that is at JillianManage, the same handle. So that's a good place to find me. I also have an ebook, a free ebook opt-in on my website. So if any of you want to dig more into some of the evidence-based skills that we talked about today, so the ones that we talked about and some other ones with links to the actual scientific papers, that's on the main page of my website too. So you guys can check that out. That's awesome. Thank you again so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. 
Well, that is the end of our episode. Thank you so much for joining us today here at the Rise Up For You podcast. Please don't forget to visit our website at www.riseupforyou.com. We have a ton of free resources just for you, webinars, articles, a ton of podcasts, toolkits, and workbooks just to help you get to the next step professionally and personally. We are empowering women globally, and we want you to live your best life. Also, follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, anywhere there's social media, Rise Up For You is there at Rise Up For You. We look forward to having you join us next time. Rise Up For You, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater tomorrow. 